You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. And uh, welcome to this month's episode of Anime Crash Course. I am your humble host, Kev. And with us, we have a, a pair of wonderful guests. Uh, we have Keith. Hello. How are you doing? And we also have Lisa. Hey, baby. And uh, this week, very excited to be talking about one of the smash hit anime series from uh, 2019. Uh, we are talking about the thriller suspense uh, saga of The Promised Neverland. Uh, so, before, like I like to do, before we really kind of get into the meat potatoes of the series, I want to do a bit of background, just going to introduce you to the show. So, The Promised Neverland is a, uh, is based on a 2016 manga, uh, written by Kaio Shirai and separately illustrated then by Posca Demizu. Uh, the manga was published in Weekly Shonen Jump beginning in August 2016, and... Uh, three years after that, after it had a pretty substantial run and really just exploded in popularity in the Shonen Jump polls, uh, Studio Cloverworks uh, got the rights to license for an anime adaptation of it. Uh, Studio Cloverworks are a very popular studio over in Japan. They rebranded as a sub-studio of A1 Pictures, again, massively popular studio, producing such kind of anime classics as like Sword Art Online, Darling of the Franks, Fairy Tale, like big names. Uh, and on top of that, to go with the fact that we have a popular series by a popular studio, uh, they managed to nail down a really talented director, up and sort of up and comer now, uh, called Mamura Kanbe, who is most prolifically known for directing Elfin Lead. But they also worked on a uh, as a storyboard artist on other popular series such as A Place for the Universe in 2018. And here's a here's a deep fall for you: an anime called Saint Young Men which, not to derail this show too much, is a, is a manga and an anime series about Jesus and Buddha living in a flat together. Deadly. So, to, you know, mini point to make, go look up St. Young Men. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, so, as I mentioned, anime adaptation came out. Completely critical, darling. Uh, and we watched it. So... What did we all? What did we all think? Actually, okay. Before we kind of get into the, get into the thoughts, I want to let you guys know that we are going to be doing something a little different this week because, or this month, because uh, it's a very thriller, intrigue, suspense, mystery plot. I don't want. We don't want to go spoiling the whole show for people that maybe haven't watched it and maybe want to give it a try. So we're going to break this episode into two parts: uh, a spoiler-free part and a spoiler-full part. Spoiler free, we talk, you know, general performances, general thoughts, not giving away too many mysteries. Um, and then we'll, you know, give you a warning, give a break, and then dive right into the actual plot details and the meat and potatoes of it all. Uh, so, what is The Promised Neverland about? So, The Promised Neverland revolves around uh, a group of children, most namely uh, Emma, Norman, and Ray, living in Gracefield Orphanage, a very secluded, very... Uh, very quiet, quaint orphanage, and you know, living a very happy young life with, with their uh, their single matriarch. Uh, however, things are not as they seem in Gracefield House. Spooky yukiness is afoot. Uh, so, I suppose I, I open the floor. <laughs> as you've probably I've been, seen I've the been, most episodes. I've been I've been talking to I've been talking me me all off now. So, what uh, what do you guys have to say? Yeah, I I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I would after the first four episodes. I wasn't really into it, and then it started to pick up, and the the pacing was good. Like I I felt a lot of the dialogue and the characterizations were really contrived at the beginning, but I was mm. actually compelled by the whole show, like towards the end. And I genuinely want to see the second season now. So I I, I, I at first I wasn't into it, and I really grew to actually like it. Like I, I only finished watching it like the last episode there about an hour ago, and I, like, like I let saved the last two episodes for today, and yeah, no, I'm still processing. It. I, I, I quite enjoyed it. 
Yeah, no, it's it really like it, it finds a way to kind of get its hooks into you. And I think one big part of that is how warm and warm and uh, well written I've had the characters to be. Which actually, brief side note, a uh, very important question: subbed up. I actually went oh. for this. I went for the the dub because I'd watched the last two shows as subs, and I was like, ah, I'll I'll breeze through this. And I think that was the big barrier when I started it. I was not a fan of the dub at all. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I actually, I watched the dub as well <laughs> this time. Some of the dub cast was subpar. Yeah. Like, Ray's voice actor never really clicked with me. It, I think like, it was because a lot of the voice actors play children. That I think that's it. Yeah. It's when, very difficult when, to, when, to when, get that across. Yeah, especially when they're, they're playing... 11 and younger yeah <laughs> and, yeah and and you've got this big like someone who's been smoking for 40 years starts bellowing out of <laughs> this three-year-old that's yeah no have like yeah no when ray kind of gets irate and emotional and trying to sound like an edgy 11 year old you're like ah oh, buddy you're probably like 30 this doesn't work uh but like outside of that i really i Emma's voice actress, I thought, was fantastic. I actually, I, I warmed to her very quickly. I thought, you know, her the energy she brought really uh, synced up with the with the the real kind of bubbly, uh, unflappable nature of, of Emma. Um, and I I really wore like I wasn't huge on Norman at the beginning, but there was something about his his calm collection that I kind of warmed to. It, there was like, something I, about his character I, that always felt like it was the, the cogs were turning and i think like as the show went on i thought that that read a lot better yeah norman grew on me too but i once again the the did the, the dub the, the voice did not fit that character and it didn't really feel to can like to convey his uh like how he was doing but that that, that might in some of people's opinion actually you know work for it because you, you He's more unassuming as like this kind of overly anime voice character, and then yeah. he's sort of like, oh, he's plotting a meticulous, very, very, very composed, very, very plasteric. Uh, but I'd like, I have to give an absolute, just massive shout out uh, to Laura Post, who is the voice actress for Isabel, for stealing the show. Oh yeah, just like, and we like, we like, I'll get into why like. Isabel for me is just a fantastic character, but I just her voice from it that the the way she can on a dime turn from warm, welcoming, maternal, it, like motherly kind of vibe to cold, calculating evil. Oh, and it's ah, just women, and like, babe. <laughs> but, but the 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 whole show, like animation, and like it's actually fairly re- reframed in its use of music typically in something that's going for a horror vibe is really on the nose with the music but like down to like her character animation everything like it's all the subtle little like she never looks comfortable when she's being nice yeah when the second she she turns you're like all right there you are oh it's like i i i really like the character designs as well I think oh, yeah. I think like that kind of it's it's a, it's a play date trope, but that kind of chibi round art style, counterpointing you know kind of real suspense and uh, kind of yeah suspenseful situations, uh, like it's 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 a play date trope, but I think it really worked well, especially when you have those rounded, softed features just blown up in the fish islands, and again when Isabel when she drops and just like goes uh, when she drops and just goes straight faced. Oh, yeah. It's effective. It gets across that like she is reading your mind, uh, and honestly, like, and I think all across the board, actually, I I felt that the animation was was really really strong. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, CloverWorks—they're a big studio, but they're not very well known for having top quality animation. We've been, like on this show now, we've been spoiled for 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 animation between Madhouse and Kyoani. Uh, so like A1, bit of a step down, exactly. but like as far as their works go, I thought, you know, it was really good. It's not, see, it's not very action heavy, so it doesn't need to be big and flashy. Uh, but what was I felt was interesting was the use of 3D animation in a lot of scenes. I also find that the, 
the color and shadows in it were very effective in it. Yes. It set the mood obscenely well. Like it, it, it just stood out to me. It, it, it's it's really pretty show to look at. Like mm. even though it's even though like a lot of it is very straight, like there's no not not much color in the characters' uniforms or surrounding area. It's mainly it's like very understated. Oh yeah, like a lot of the characters, like the the, the a lot of the kind of the, the sets and designs are very washed out, but the small things that pop, like again, Emma's hair, like when it's a particularly sunny day, things like that, they just pop against this kind of dark dreariness almost. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the, like, it's not something that's brought up when talking about animation as a whole, but I thought as well, the direction was very solid as well. Just the the way that they'd have kind of a lot of first person charts and even again, mentioning the 3D animation, it used a lot of panning shots that just, this is going to sound so up my own hole but it did have a bit of a Kubrick vibe at times. I think, I think that there was a lot, there was a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a Kubrick in for, if the, the guy that watched this watched The Shining <laughs> before, oh, yeah. before, before storyboarding it. The, that also goes with like the, the house itself being like a character. It's a, it's as intimidating a presence as uh, Isabella herself. Oh, for sure. For sure. For, a show that hooked the two of us so well, being set in one really enclosed area. I thought that was very, uh, I think that's very effective. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, uh, Lisa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, when I when I talked about um, The Provost Neverland online, a, a lot of, like, I would be in the minority for not enjoying it. Um, a lot of people online spoke well obviously they would have had mixed reactions based on different endings and people's expectations and stuff but mm. overall the, the you know the, re- the response was really positive online Um, kind of two reasons why I didn't like it one crunchy roll rookie mistake I know but here we are and uh, the second one was because the thing is right okay well as you'll remember from nerd to no basis Kev I hate children <laughs> of course of I hate course. anything with really young protagonists I could just if they're of you know Jurassic Park age where they're kind of 12 and over that's fine but just children really great on me in um cartoons and anime and stuff like that and the thing is um so upon watching it it, it was very heavy-handed with its foreshadowing of the fact that something negative was going to happen to these children. It was very obvious that these young orphans in this very enclosed space, surrounded by a forest with branded numbers on their neck, that some they were and they were so happy-go-lucky and so ostentatiously positive. I was like, well, it's very obviously that you know, very obvious that something bad is going to happen to these kids, or that they're there to be protected from other people like maybe they're the enemy or there's an enemy for them and this may sound a bit weird but when watching it with the forest and now i will say one positive the background apps animation was absolutely exquisite i thought oh, it was yeah. really gorgeous gorgeous lush greenery but when watching the first episode and the first nine minutes of the second episode thanks to crunchyroll um I got two vibes. The first was, uh, you know, the village by M Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. Oh, straight away wow, got oh, total. That's a, that's a deep pull, Lisa. That's yeah, no, 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 no. The, huh? That's an unfortunate pull. <laughs> no, I straight away I'm like, okay, because that's about these people living within a confined area within a giant forest, and on the outside, it's it's not what it seems. And then the second kind of thing I was immediately reminded of was. Has anybody read or seen Black Butler? You know, that arc where there's like the, the witch in the forest and she's a young child witch and things aren't what it seems and it turns no. out it's a whole... Okay, well, it, there's an arc in Black Butler. So straight away off the bat, that I'm reminded of other instances where I can kind of almost predict how this is going to go mixed with the, uh, uh, you know, the heavy foreshadowing, like really heavy-handed foreshadowing. I was a bit like, this is really obvious. This is really contrived. Um, and then when certain events transpire throughout the show where it flips from the positive to the negative, I'm like, ah, you know, that wasn't really exactly very, uh, very, you know, wasn't a huge surprise. And then when we have the reveal in the first episode of how it flips from the positive to the negative, and then you see the characters involved in the negative, I thought they're very cartoonish looking. This isn't relatable. All these characters are really grating on me. I'm going to put this on the long finger because I've just got Netflix and there's better things to watch. But then when I tried to go back 
the second episode really didn't pull me back in. Now, I think Keith said it took about four episodes for him to get into it. So to be fair, I know I'm in the minority. I may not have given it the good chance it should have gotten. But that being said, if it takes four episodes to kind of get into something, I just thought it the, the characters didn't endear themselves to me enough or I, and I didn't find them relatable or engaging enough and when I saw that you know obviously I don't want to spoil what happens but you know when it flips from the positive to yeah. the negative aspect well, no, I think of the storyline like, and then I'm like you know what this is just going to be 12 episodes of them trying and failing to escape at various times I'm like I've seen this so many times in different things I don't care enough about these characters to want to go on the journey with them mm. so that, that was just it again I know I'm in the minority that's just what I think I just found it very contrived and not I, I just didn't care about them yeah. I just found them very grating yeah. but look that's just me I know I'm in the minority the animation was exquisite so that, yeah for I think for for full for full exposure for for full clarification so you, you we as mentioned you only did watch the first episode and a half the f- First episode and a half, yes, but to be very honest with you, uh, being the massive giant weeaboo and movie fan that I am, you get the feel for yeah. how a series is going to go. And if you can predict what's probably going to happen, because to be honest, while I may not know the intricacies, I'm going to assume the entire series was them at various points trying and failing to escape and overcome obstacles and good versus evil. Like, I'm going to assume that was the general arc. And when you get the gist of that, you don't care enough about the characters because they're so grating that, you know, you don't want to follow the journey with them, then you, you kind of get the gist and you don't need to go on. And I feel like if it was a slightly less contrived first episode, like I've watched some shite in my time, but this was just something where I'm like, you know what, I'm sure this is really good, but I don't care. So again, yeah. I know I'm in the minority. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. And a lot of people online, online, online <laughs> seem to really love it. But, you know, it just for me, if it was like like when we when we watch One Punch Man from One Punch Man episode one, I'm like, this is my life, you know. Yeah. So it's, I, I think know. you can tell a lot by one episode. To be fair, because usually it's the first episode that's the best, and the rest fall down. But however, yeah, I think the the the, the kind of the driving force, as you mentioned, you were kind of you were kind of on the ball in the series defense. That first episode twist, we'll kind of get more into it later. Uh, for me, it was kind of just the the, the core premise of the show. Yeah, so, like, yeah. it was obvious that that was going to happen. I think, like, when I remember hearing about the show first, like, you know, when, when you see it has a thriller horror tag and you see a bunch of kids in an orphanage, you're like, okay. <laughs> like, you're, it's not hiding that. For what kind of no. kept me going was the 10-dimensional mind chess these characters start playing with each other a couple of episodes in. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's, as you said, like, it's, the show is about them trying to escape, but there is so many just wild leaps in logic that they start taking as the show yeah. goes on that that was what kind of kept me going. Fair. And like it does, like it, as, as Keith kind of said, it doesn't come in until they're three or four episodes in that they really start ping ponging this back and forth. But what it reminded me a lot of was Death Note. Yeah, oh, two, okay. That, Clever that characters. Kind, yeah, this kind of like mental mental gymnastics between it between each thing. But it doesn't have the 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 uh internal exposition that Death Note had because there's such a kind of a wide fast uh cast of characters. So like it's 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 very much kind of them bouncing ideas off of each other and and more and various uh reveals occur, which we will get into a little later. Uh so like I I I I would if you can never get Crunchyroll to start working again, I oh, would stop. definitely. That, I, that shit is uninstalled. Oof. If if you have another kind of free day where you know yes. you're they, not looking, yes. I would say give it a fighting chance. Fair. I think that is it fair. might it might surprise you. Your personal taste is 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 a factor, obviously, mm. and we know you. You're the horror guru. Yeah, There's, I just found it tame and unpredictable. Okay, that's, that's just the two words. Despite <laughs> the exquisiteness, and I'm I'm sure they're lovely, heartwarming characters that you do root for. Just I found that didn't grab me enough with the first episode and the nine minutes I saw of the second episode. Over an hour and forty five minutes span, thanks to Crunchyroll, might I say, just to watch nine minutes. It didn't grab me enough to want to come back. And I've seen enough anime and movie and TV shows in my life to know that I can be grabbed very easily by a show from the first few minutes. So this. You have to fight for my attention. Yeah, no, okay, that's 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 valid. I'll I'll give you. I'm that. glad you guys enjoyed it. That is good. <laughs> okay, I never like anything. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I, 
I had the exact same reaction at the beginning. I, I was like, oh, mm. this is contrived. It's, it's boring. None of these characters are talking like 11-year-olds. Um, <laughs> but, like, the first episode, yeah, like, that's a big bad thing that happens at the beginning. I, mm. l- like y- you were saying, you can see it coming from a mile away, but they don't dwell on it. It's done in the first episode. They're, they're, they're not really hiding it. And I think oh. the trailer for the show actually reveals it. As well. heavily, or at least alludes to it heavily yeah but like then the rest of it and it's not necessarily like characters trying to escape and being thwarted it's them coming up with plans and watching the plans fall apart around them what one actually one aspect of it that I felt was very uh, very well done was how it from this very secluded very closed off part part of it built out the world around it, just piece by piece. Just like as the characters figure something new out about their surroundings, it fills in just a little bit more of the world. And as the show goes on, you start to get a broader picture. Anytime I felt like I was getting ahead of the characters, they just say what's happening. I'm like, all right, like they're not playing me for a fool here. Like they're also aware of this. The characters aren't any dumber than I am. Which you know, the show is, is, is the show stress. isn't talking down to you in the mystery. No, no, like it, it, it like the, once again, the characters are aware of what's happening, and like mm. it's not. If you can piece something together, they're piecing it together, and that's where all the mental gymnastics go, in the best possible way. Yeah, and actually, just on the point of the characters being children, I found a funny just suspension of disbelief where. I didn't care these 11-year-olds were just making these grand leaps of logic at one point because we're in a world with demons. I can suspend my disbelief enough at that point. Oh, yeah, no. like <laughs> It, it took, took me time to get, 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 get over my own being critical because I'd heard the, the show was great and stuff and I just went in going, oh, I'm going to prove you wrong. And then I like, oh, no, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, okay, so... I think I think I think we're we're at about a point where we can uh, where we can dive headfirst into into the plot details and the grittier stuff. The segment of the show now where we explain the plot to Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I think I get the plot. I get the plot from episode uh, we, got, one. It's I, just a finer point. I have a I have a detailed list of the reveals. So I want to oh, see magnificent! <laughs> Illuminate me, Kev. So. Uh, okay, but before we kind of jump in, I just want to kind of open the floor a little bit and just ask if there are any more kind of final thoughts you guys have in the general scope of the show. Nothing that wouldn't spoil it, so I'll save it for spoilers. Got it. I, uh, I could not stand that OST. The opening was the worst. It's a Wasn't strange it opening. Yeah. That, that grated on me from the start. Thank you for pointing that out, Keith, because I think that added to the whole general annoyance. It's a very bump, like poppy opening for the show it's, for the show it's opening. You know what, though? To be fair, inappropriate soundtracks pertaining to the topic of anime shows is kind of a thing they do in Japan. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Same for, like, that, that's a thing. But I think this there was just something really middle ground about this where it kind of didn't know what it wanted to be. And I like, I like where it's like, this is a horrible, evil movie or show we're watching. Here's something aggressively inappropriately happy. And you're like, okay, well, at least it's got direction. But with but this, it ju- I just find it really whiny and kind of emo. And I'm like, oh, no. It, See, I, it, 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 three different songs in one. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. What, what, it's like three choruses back to back. That, what, none of them were from the same song. Sorry, what sticks with me is that it's the same band that have done probably my least favorite opening for Hero Academia as well. So oh, I've yeah. just kind of got that dart in the board, and I'm like, oh, I don't care about these guys. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> Bring back porno graffiti. <laughs> um, okay, so I think with that then, those of you that are interested and want to defy Lisa and watch the series, jump <laughs> off now. We are going to dive head first. We're going to be spoilers abandoned. So dive off, watch the series, and then come back if you want to hear more of our thoughts. So now with those fucking losers gone, <laughs> let's get into it. Uh, okay. So obviously, now kind of openly mentioning it, that first reveal, we've talked about it. It's not, it, it's a reveal in the most kind of passive sense. I actually quite liked the style of it, of how it was done. Like, it, 
again, it was obvious like that it was... Like little Connie's face. Yeah, I actually kind of <laughs> liked that. It was a bit dumb. I but, like, it I was, it was too juxtaposed to the art style. It was like someone trying to put a Junji Ito spin on something that it actually didn't suit. I thought it actually clashed with the art style. I get where they were coming from. They were trying to do a complete 180 flip, but for me, it mm. clashed. I just went, ha, and then continued being unimpressed. Uh, and one thing I actually quite liked as well was was the demon design. I thought that was very effective. <laughs> really? Yeah. I liked it. Uh, see, it... them, I thought they were, they were very silly, but they actually... Yes! They, they, but I, I think they matched the character design. I know the character design is also like... <laughs> you know, a a pin in your cu- cushion, but fucking, I liked it. I I I, I liked how they looked. I, I I liked how they were all organic and flower looking. If that yeah. makes sense, they looked like they yeah. wore the woods. Like it was cool. And uh, again, like it was a flourish, kind of particularly to the anime from the manga. But just there's one shot of like one of their eyes just spinning in about a circle before looking at someone. <laughs> I thought that was rad. <laughs> I thought that's very mad eye moody. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. like that. Uh, Fair. Um, but again, as we kind of go through this section now, I am not going to stop talking about how effective I thought Isabella was as a villain, and just how. Who is Isabella? Is that mom? As yeah. Isabella's mom. Okay, fair. Um, again, and this like it starts with that shot of her finding the rabbit on the floor, and there's just the way that the like her face is drawn, looking down, just deadpan. They made the plan to kind of escape. Things that the music is rising, and then just a straight cut. I thought that was very effective. Yeah, it's it sets a good like expectation for what the rest of the show is like. Okay, here's your villain. Like, like she goes like the, the whole sh- uh, the whole first episode. She shows her as the big bubbly character, and then immediate after she turn turns on a dime. The second she sees that, it's like okay, here you go. Here's your villain. And yeah, as. Uh, as Lisa predicted, a lot of the show is trying to thwart mother and escape. So as okay, so we'll, I think you know we'll we'll synopsize thusly. Uh, synopsize, as, please. As the show progresses over the next couple of episodes, you know they're kind of planning. They're they're planning. They're investigating. They go out to the woods. They find out you know it's a walled-in community. Uh, they can get up to the wall, they can look in, and they see blank forest. So they're like, okay, we've got to figure out how to get... Every-. And, like, Emma is determined to get everyone out. That's that's Of course she is. Yep. Because God forbid that Emma doesn't take care of everyone. Exactly, exactly. Bubbly protagonist. you got to love her. Uh, <laughs> trying to prove something for herself. <laughs> Purely selfish-motivated reasons under the guise of doing it for others. That's what we all do. It's grand. That's yeah, it's humanity. <laughs> uh, but as kind of time goes on, they suspect that they suspect that there is a traitor in the midst. Who is the traitor? Ray. Is he the little emo boy? Yeah, he is. Oh, yeah. dude. He oh, actually. He that's it's, it's something actually. I think you probably jumped off a little too early. He becomes one of the the primary characters. Oh, really? Okay. Ooh. I thought he was like, oh, I'm so edgy. I no, no. He actually, he, d- uh, kind of dis, uh, disproportionate to how he looks at the start, he becomes a very kind of gruff, agitated character as the time goes on. He's just fed up. Like, yeah. <laughs> leave me alone. I'm doing my thing. I want to read my book. <laughs> Get my camera. Uh, he's not edgy. It's just like, he's like an old man. He's just like, oh, kid. Really? Because I... I, I couldn't help but see Norman as like an 80-year-old man. Yeah. He's like a real old man. He's like, oh, I just want to sit down. I'm just going just gonna to drink a tea. Wear, wear this cardigan. <laughs> uh, so, but as mom is starting to kind of tear the wheels and figure out that, okay, something's not right. You know, she found the rabbit. She knows people. Somebody in the orphanage knows about, you know, the harvest. Again, they, they find out Ray is the, uh, the, the traitor. The next big reveal is that mom has called in backup in the form of Sister Crone. Now, personally, I did not like Sister Crone. <laughs> she's really underutilized as well. She's just sort of like a henchman, but yeah. it's the worst possible henchman. She's just like, uh, the kids are training to like escape and be super fast. I'm faster. And it's... then she just kind of unceremoniously leaves. Yeah, she had a real... Like, her character, it's it's... 
it's as if they just they they tried to write her as uh, unpredictable and wild and crazy, but it just came off as confused and obnoxious. <laughs> Can I just ask, in what way was Ray a traitor? Before oh, we he's... carry on. <laughs> oh, sorry. He was so he was feeding information to mom. Okay, Grant, Grant. Okay, he's, he he has been feeding information on everyone, on all the kids, and oh, now Grant, that, you know they Grant. know about, and now that they know about the harvest. Oh yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Emma and Norman being unflappable heroes of justice, they managed to win him over to their side. Right, I'm sure that was a non-irritating affair. It actually wasn't. It was. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, Prove me good. wrong. Like, again, like I think it was it was Norman that mostly did the convincing as well. So it was, it was very. I found him very precocious. I just can't deal with precocious kids. It's like it was up, very using Ray's. It was very using Ray's own logic to convince him right. to play his own side. Fair. So, but the one thing, so as I said, so back onto kind of Crone. Crone again, very kind of wild. Just kind of used to kind of play crowd control so that Isabella didn't have to watch the kids herself. Um. But the one thing Crone did kind of illustrate for me was Isabella playing her own game. Because as, like, Crone has her own agenda where she's trying to under undercut Isabella. Again, very expository, very wild, very crazy. Um, but it's revealed a couple of episodes later that Mom has known all along that he didn't really need Crone, and now she is just sending Crone to die. <laughs> yeah. And again, in a very kind of cold, heartless, like... I gave you one chance. You've screwed this up. Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> it it's almost as if she just just like brought Crone in to like distract the kids for a while while I think. Here you go like you go play with the kids. <laughs> you go I'll you go play. I've got stuff. to I have I have plans to to commit to. I have yeah. mom things to do. Uh so there again, there's these kind of like mind games like the kids trying to kind of plan to escape, planning how to planning how to avoid Crone, planning how to, to subfuge Mom. There's like a, there's about a one episode plot where Crone tries to help the kids before again Crone dies. <laughs> um, but all this kind of comes to a head when the kids have got a plan, they plan on investigating and they're, they're just about to execute it when Mom catches them, talks them down and was like, no, okay, let's not beat around the bush here. I'm harvest like you kids are being harvested for food. Let's not. I'm trying oh, to give they you. Oh, they admit it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Because again, everybody knows at this point. It's yeah. how they were dancing around it. Right. Uh, so now again, this is just the kind of the head three kids. So like all the young kids still don't know at this point. And this all comes to a head where, you know, they they try, just. Oh, like again, Emma tries to be unflappable and say, "No, we'll beat you. We'll do this," and then. Isabel just goes up and just straight breaks her leg. Oh, nice. Thank you, Isabella. Because Emma was a level of positivity I just did not vibe with. I'm like, no, you're at a nine. I need you at a two. Oh, uh, no, I wanted her at an 11. <laughs> I kind of, oh, uh, no. It, again, it's, it's how it was played against the stoicism of Norman and okay. the gruff arrogance of Ray. Again, oh, it, kind of, it worked in a balance of each other, I thought. Okay. And she and and Isabella like breaks uh, Emma's like and immediately cuddles her. It's it's mean. Oh, it's, <laughs> like, it's yeah, no, it's it's the complete just like no, no, I'm still your mother, and oh, you have Jesus. to know that. Uh, it's it's <laughs> like again, she, I I'm finding it hard to really put into words what exactly about her to me made a fantastic villain, but just she is, she is, she's that counterplay of the warm maternal instinct and cold-hearted evil. Yeah, well, like, genuine, like, real-world abusive mm. tendencies, like, that whole, you know, given, like, outrageous violence also t- paired with, like, oh, I actually genuinely still love and care for you. It's like, come here. <laughs> Let me hold you while, you know, nah. because I, yeah. That sounds like Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, Absolutely. Oh yeah, no, it's like it, it yeah, no, it, it it kind of preys on on a very on a very deep seated fear of that. Uh, <laughs> but what happened? But the the shocks don't end there, because it's announced that that Norman is getting shipped out next. <gasps> dun dun dun. And there's you know there's there's a whole segment where they try to try to contrive a way for Norman to escape to 
to deactivate. They have track. They found out they had tracker chips in them to find out a way to get yeah. a tracker chip out to get to get out. But Norman uses the opportunity to escape to gather information for everyone else, mm-hmm. and then goes, and then goes to to be harvested. Oh, effectively does he making get harvested. If yes, <gasps> does he sacrifice himself? He martyrs himself. <gasps> Dramatic. This then kind of leads us squarely into the third act, where Ooh. Ray and where Ray and Emma, you know, play off being completely upset and dejected that Norman's gone again. All this time trying to hide it from the younger kids that have thought that he's been adopted. Oh, he's so happy. He's got to live with a new family. I'm yeah. so jealous. Now he's um, But and but they're playing they're play they they obviously play down the they play down being dejected because they are secretly planning the actual escape with the crucial information Norman had gathered. All of this leading to a final episode where the kids set the house on fire, okay. ch- chop off their ears to get rid what? of tracking chips. They're actual ears. They're like, actual proper. ears. Yep. Jesus. Okay. Uh, Fair. Bring all of the kids who are kind of old enough to escape and then decide to leave the kids who aren't. Oh my god, so they can go fact themselves. No, it's Aww. they again, it's it's pretty well explained, <laughs> but like it's that the all the kids that are like four and under still have at <laughs> least two years to Oh my god, that's such a gamble. So the plan is to get everyone that can run out gather yourselves, and then come back. Jesus Christ, survival of the fittest. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and the show ends with Isabella, with the with Emma and the gang having gotten everyone they needed to out. They zip, there, it turns out there's a cliff around the area, so they zip line down the cliff just as Isabella catches them. <gasps> Flashback to Isabella remembering her time in the orphanage, seeing so much of Emma in herself accepting defeat and wishing them well. I I know people who had issues with that ending online when I was chatting about it casually. They didn't I, like the ending. What did you guys think? I, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like um how it just was I also really like the way they set the house of fire is by faking a self immolation. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, they, oh, they, Jesus. They, oh yeah no they they, they pretend that Ray has set himself on fire and they just oh, burn a bunch of cooked meat and hair. Fucking hell. That's um, dramatic. And um in the last episode it, it's kind of rushed, but it really like enforces without like well, it, it kind of beats you over the head, but not in the worst way that uh Isabella was so beaten down by her time there that she gave up on being essentially Emma. That Emma is the new one of her. There's like a shot of her trying to jump the cliff at one point when she was oh. younger. And not, and it ne- 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 never really shows, but you can assume she didn't make it. And um, and seeing that these kick his actually did it, she's like, fair play. Yeah, <laughs> she's it. she she is a product of this system that was so ingrained that there is like she believed that there is no escape because she tried it herself and was and refutedly denied it because she believed that there was no escape. The only escape was for them to hurt themselves. And she, in a weird way, didn't. She she cared enough about them that she didn't want them hurt. But it was only after they actually get into the forest and escape that she finally sees this can happen. Uh, I, I thought it was very, I thought it was very effective. And again, it's only the end of this first season. So it, it opens up then to the second season being now these kids surviving in the wild. Yeah, and that um change in location and events, like I, I genuinely haven't seen spoilers, so I don't know if Isabella is a continued villain. I think she probably comes back later, but I don't think she's the main villain anymore. And mm. just not, an uncertainty of what, what the next one's going to be. Yeah, not to not, uh, not, I don't want to stick on the point too much. I have read Fairly substantially further on in the manga, Fair I, I I have been reading this for actually quite a while, uh, and not to not to not to give too much like 
not to get too much into it, but the show does actually start shifting genres. Oh, oh. at this point, kind of in a way from again that that from the first step, like again this this being escape, uh, suspense thriller to kind of adventure survival. Oh, nice. Uh, and it's very effective. I, I I really enjoy it. And again, it as as the series progresses, it just kind of keeps throwing these new angles at you left and right. And um, I, I can imagine it do, does that really well if it's because the first season itself was a lot of mind games and tactics and outthinking the opponent. And now I can only imagine that this is all speculation that next season is that same kind of uh thought but put to survival like actual survival like when they are out on their own i think that'd be really cool i i will i will keep my peace on that matter uh okay so i think you know we're we're coming up kind of on on about time for wrapping up so well Lisa, what as we have synopsized it, uh, did did it go about how you expected? <laughs> to be very honest, yes. It, it it did. It sounds exactly like what I predicted. Now, again, it, if it's a grower of a of a series, then that's fair, but I didn't see enough in what I saw to mm. want to grow with it. So look, it some things are like I've watched like I said, I've watched some crap in my time that no one would wipe their bum bum with. So to be fair. I don't really have an opinion. I have terrible taste in, in mm. TV, but uh, look, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I honestly, I think, like I said, I've, I have Netflix now. I'm going to be watching other things. I'll probably never revisit it, but if I do one day again revisit it, I, it will be with an open mind based on the lovely synopses you guys gave. Hooray! Go us! Almost changed your mind. Uh, and Fair. Yeah, we... One step closer. I'll take it as a victory. It came. It's good. <laughs> uh, and so Keith, my mind. What's, yeah? uh, what's, what's your final takeaway on it? Um, I was very pleasantly surprised going in. Like, as I said, I, can't, uh, I started off very much like Lisa. I wasn't feeling it, wasn't too into it. But it grew on me. And the show felt very quick. Like, even the first four episodes that didn't really do anything for me they felt like they were like 10 minutes long. They, they didn't mm. feel long to me at all. It was very well paced, very enjoyable. And uh, I'm going to watch the second season. So. Yeah. So I suppose, yeah. So going forward, the f- what's, what's the future of The Promised Neverland? Uh, as it stands, the manga has actually finished its run. It, it is completed. It's ended. Uh, How many volumes? 20 volumes, about 181 chapters. That's not too bad. That's about so, standard. About, you know, fairly self-contained, yeah. So, yeah, you, you know, if, if, if there's a time to jump in, now is perfect. They, like, the whole thing, it's, it's a completed story. Uh, so, that's 181 chapters, which, by the way, we're not sponsored at all, but uh, I have got to give a shout-out to the Shonen Jump mobile app. Have do either of you guys know about this? No, tell me more. You know, Shonen Jump, one of the most popular manga publishers in Japan, uh, opened up their digital uh, storefront. I think it was about a year ago, uh, and just opened it up as a subscription service where you can read nearly every, like every uh, back catalog series they've ever released and new chapters as they release and are translated. Oh, dude. For two euro a month. <laughs> oh. Oh, dude. I'm doing okay. this. Is Monster okay. <laughs> I don't know, actually. Listen, I'm like, two euro a month for all of One Piece? Yeah, that's a, that's that's it. That's worth it. <laughs> that's, that's where my money's going. <laughs> but that's my One Piece fanaticism aside. Uh, so that's, you know, if you sign on to that, you've got all 181 chapters of Ramos Neverland. There, done, finished. Uh, the same author has also gone off and written a couple of spin-off light novels, uh, just kind of taking different aspects of the world and fleshing them out. I think there's two released currently and one in production. As far as I could tell in my research, they are Japanese exclusive, but there's a couple of sneaky fan translations up on Wattpad or something like mm. that. I don't know, maybe for research purposes. <laughs> And yes, 
it being as a popular uh, 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 an anime series as it has. A second series has, of course, been greenlit. Uh, it was set to air. It was announced in March 2019, set to air in October of this year, but obviously the world is burning. <laughs> uh, so that's currently been postponed to a January 2021 release. Before we wrap up, I found out just the wildest thing about this whole situation is that because of the popularity currently in production are two entirely separate live action adaptations. Oh, Jesus. No. So the first. I might watch that actually. <laughs> that would be great, cry. Uh, so the first one is a Japanese uh, live action movie. <laughs> Uh, that is set. That is directed by Yujiro Hirakawa. Couldn't find any other kind of real major credits of note to his name. That's in that's in production now and is set to release December this year. And the second one is a live action series being produced by Amazon and Fox. So we're going Jesus. we're going west on this. Oh no! Is it a musical? Please tell me it's a musical. Oh uh, no! I wish that'd be that'd be incredible. Jesus Christ. And, you know, as soon as I read this, I immediately wrote it off. However, oh no, it is being directed by a man named Rodney Rothman. And Rodney oh. Rothman's main credit to fame is oh he co-directed Into the Spider-Verse. Oh. Y- yeah, see? Yeah. That's, that, that raises from, like, oh, I'm not looking forward, I'm not looking at that at all, but, like, although interesting. <laughs> no, like... That could work, but but I was really hoping you'd say someone completely shite, like someone. Oh, like if, if no, if I came out and said like, th- uh, yeah, like if I came out and say this was an Uwe Ball job, I'd be, be the best movie ever. I don't we'd care. be we'd That's be doing a live watch along immediately. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, I might watch that. That's, That's like it's it's, it's it's one of those things like okay, you got a Spider Verse guy, I'll check that out. Yeah. Um. Also, fun fact, just when I was kind of looking up the credits and that, uh, Rodney Rothman, one of his other uh, claims to fame, is a writer for the 78th Annual Academy Awards in 2006. Oh. So the Academy Awards have writers, and apparently one of them wrote into the Spider-Verse. So that's fun. Do you know what, though? Just with regards to the Japanese live action, I do have to wonder, um, are they actually going to use actual children, or are they going to do to that there, what they did to the Black Butler live action, where they have there, to make everybody adults, or else it would have been totally illegal? There is screenshots of it. I did look it up. They don't and, look... They do not look like children. Yeah, I didn't think so. I think, like, at best, they look like 17, 18-year-olds. Oh, Jesus, yeah, but to be fair, like, said oh, no. before, and I'll say it again, what happens in manga and anime... Doesn't always translate as ver- as oh, you know no, as I... well in live action. You'll enjoy something in manga or anime, then you'll see it live action, and you go, "Oh my god, I'm a horrible person." Should oh, I? I don't anticipate that that will uh, be very successful. I kind of want to watch that more than the actual series, Kev. To be very honest with you. <laughs> I think you like. Hey, hey, Lisa. I I think you like trash. I think. I do. The garbage queen. <laughs> <laughs> I identify. Oh, I must only watch what like I am. All oh, hail to our all hail to our trash queen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have so, no standards of viewing. So <laughs> I'm so sorry. So in summation, <laughs> don't listen to Lisa. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm throwing shade. In summation, uh, so. If you liked it and you want to check it out and after listening to us rambling, The Promised Neverland is available for streaming on Funimation and maybe Crunchyroll? Question mark. Oh no, even Crunchyroll was throwing up notifications saying, yeah, this is taking a ridiculously fucking long time. Are you sure you want to keep watching it? I'm like, no, but I have to. It's homework. So I'm like, well, can... but even Crunchyroll is telling you, listen, bro, this ain't happening. You, you know, there's something wrong. So don't listen. <laughs> I love Crunchyroll. I want to be sponsored by you straight out of Canto, but please, please fix your issues. Issues? Issues? Oh, God. Issue. Issues. <laughs> fix your shows and your issues and the issues with your shows. No, yeah. don't, don't, don't fix your issues. I like your shows. <laughs> <laughs> Let me watch more Hero Academia. Uh, okay, so in, in summation... I think it is time that we started plugging things. So, Keith, please tell the good people where they can see more of you. 
Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's a uh, dry Keith. Keith spells with two E's and no H. That's how I spell my name, I guess. Um, and I play in a couple bands, namely uh, a band called Horrenda, the black metal band. You released an album there last month called The Altus. It's on all the streaming stuff. You can buy it or listen to it if you want to. If you don't, I don't blame you. And uh, yeah, that, that's all I have to plug. But hey, the album's real good. Oh, no so bias. Cool. No, no, no oh. bias. No, literally, it's I like being punched in the face with awesome, and you're just like, oh, this is yeah. great. My ears needed this. Um. Uh, okay, that's awesome, Keith. Uh, and Lisa, where can where can people find more of you? Uh, yeah. So, uh, ooh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, straight out of Canto, the podcast radio show is where you guys would primarily know me from. Anyone listening under the Nurture No Media. So, straight out of Canto. That's straight out of underscore Canto on Instagram. But I am more active on on uh, my personal Instagram under my uh, horror shock musician band name which is venus de vilo so it's venus underscore de underscore vilo that's where really dark memes happen uh, which are kind of related to the straight out of canto podcast radio show which is your number one podcast for nerd culture nightmare fueling nostalgia so yeah if you like weird stuff from the 90s and hentai and shit yeah it's great that's my podcast yeah awesome yeah. great class uh you can follow me on twitter at kevtalica94 and you can just see me on the network i just kind of hang around here like a bad smell it's summer everybody <laughs> stinks including me i don't know where i'm going with this <laughs> oh my god right stop talking and i will uh this has been anime crash course thank oh sincerely thank you very much for listening to us and we will see you guys next month bye bye <laughs>